The 2-2 pitch. There's a drive deep right. Cubs win! Cubs win! On a grand slam by Hayward! And this ball's drilled. Deep left field. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs win the World Series! Bryant makes the play! It's over! And the Cubs have finally won it all! TGIF, and welcome to Fanatics Friday on the Mistaken Identity Podcast. Brought to you by... Fanatics, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Head on over to the show notes to gain access to the worldwide leader in licensed sports merchandise from all of your favorite teams, and be on the lookout for your chance to win some free items. Now, here are your hosts, Frank and David. And we're back. Yes, we're back with another Fanatics Friday edition of Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. I am neither. I am Joe Flaherty. Um, I know Frank and David usually get to some housekeeping notes before we get into our guests, but I caught the big fish today, guys. I got notes. I'm geeked. I want to get right into who we got because this is my guy. This is a future music mogul, the master of handshakes and a Dogecoin aficionado. You might know him as Ray Benso on Facebook, but I know him as an all-around good dude. It's Corey Robinson. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? How you doing? Just chilling. Uh, it was it was too hot here, so it had to start raining here in Miami. So um, if the lights <laughs> flicker in the background, it's because the power went out. <laughs> um, but we're we're gonna try and power through. We had we had Zoom not wanting us to win. We had Zencaster not wanting us to win. But we're gonna power through. So yeah, um, Zoom didn't like me today at all. Nah, Zoom doesn't <laughs> Zoom doesn't like anyone. I don't know how they're still. They they put that product out and they don't they don't update a thing. Um, but uh, what what's keeping you busy these days, man? Outside of oh, man. you know ten sixty. Oh, you know, 1060 West, uh, you know, they, they, they keep me, they keep me busy these days, but I'm also working, uh, for the Harris theater still, you know, doing security down there. Uh, not too much is going on, but, um, just mostly trying to get, you know, get back in tune, just get in tune with myself, get in tune with my mind, you know, get, get my mind right, my body right. So I can, uh, tackle things head on, clear, clear mind, clear set, clear conscience. Feel you. Yeah, you know, you got to take care of the mental. I know you got exactly. your uh, your hands in a lot of creative ventures uh, that we'll be looking for in the future, which I'll get to in a little bit. But since this is uh, the genesis of our relationship, you could say, is Wrigley. And this is a podcast about uh, behind the scenes at Wrigley, basically the people behind the uniform, so to speak. So I want to take it all the way back to. I'm assuming high school age Corey. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and fill me in because I don't know if I actually got this information from you since we've been knowing each other. But uh, how did you actually come in contact like with the Cubs, with the job opportunity? Like, were you a big baseball head like me and wanted to carry that over? Were you even a Cubs fan? Like, get into that a little bit. So the uh, funny thing is, and, and this it might come as a shock to some people. It may come as a shock to none. But uh, I actually did. I wasn't really into baseball too much. I was a football guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always, always followed the Bears. But the opportunity came in 2008 when uh, my teacher, who was also a former uh, supervisor, Nancy Sullivan, I'm just going to do a quick plug there. Uh, Nancy Sullivan, she, um, she brought some applications to the ball, to the, to the high school, to school Dunbar, where I went to. And uh, she wanted to know if anybody wanted to, you know, wanted to work. And I was like, Hey, I need a job. I've never worked. <laughs> never had a job before. Mm. And uh, I don't, I'm like, I know nothing about, Wrigley, I know nothing about the Cubs, so I was like, why not take the opportunity? Uh, my mom, however, knew more about the team than I did because she grew up watching games, mm-hmm. and she and and with her with her dad and, and my grandma, and um, so that that was just kind of something that got me interested. So the rest is just kind of history, man. I just filled fill out filled out the application, and went from there. I didn't know. First of all, Nancy was your teacher yeah. at, at Dunbar. Yep, uh, yep, yep. What is she like? <laughs> uh, I mean, we love Nancy. We know her from her time at Wrigley, and I think she's in Japan now. Um, yes, she is. Big yeah, adventures. We, we had her on the show, and, and she's living it up out there. But how? what, what was she like as a teacher? Oh, uh, man, uh, I absolutely adored her as a teacher, man. She, uh, she kept it straight and to the point with us. Um, she also, it was a point in time when, she would she would tell the class i'm not gonna teach you because i was in a class i was in a class with a lot of students that was like uh very into not learning wanted mm. to wanted to hang out and just do do nothing a uh, very nice way of putting it yeah yeah and uh and she she was more so along the lines of i can go the route of saying hey i'm already paid i'm, I'm already here but she was like, you know what? I'm just not going to teach you. If you want to learn, you can come up front mm-hmm. and I'll teach you. But if you don't want to, you can stay in the back of the classroom. So about her being like selective um, in her approach with, uh, with teaching a, a very difficult group of people, group of young individuals, rather, I would say. Um, I would say she handled that with grace in, in class and, 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 it, and it obviously carried over into Wrigley because you know, she was such, such an adored member of the team for so long. So, uh, yeah, by, by that by that chance, man, it was just uh, she was somebody that I kind of looked up to. And one of the reasons why I wanted to become a supervisor, one of the main reasons, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally uh, appreciate that approach of like meet me halfway, especially when you know, like you kind of know the deal. Like, Absolutely. I know it's like touchy to hit it on the nose when you approach like a, a high school class and be like, all right, yep. well, <laughs> some of you care, some of you don't, no one will come out and say it, but like, I totally get that. And then like, you could kind of tell that approach too. And what she and you, and then eventually me, I guess we were able to like kind of lead as supervisors kind of that way, because like, I think all three of us, if we knew you weren't like about it like that, like we kind of be yeah. like, all right, 
Well, yep. like we can only okay. do so much. <laughs> like, you know, a, you could you could lead a horse, bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. You know, one of those things. Um, do you remember uh, if she was in your first interview? Like, do you remember like what that scene was like in your first interview? So actually, no, man. Uh, she didn't interview me at all. Um, I was actually interviewed by Gene Sims and Marty Moore okay. for my very first interview. And let me tell you, if you've ever, if you're listening to this podcast and you've done an interview with Wrigley recently, you'll see it's it's very upscale. It's very, you know, very pristine, almost looking. Um, but when I came, it was uh, you come in through the location, which was known as Gate K at the time. You checked in with whoever was working, which was typically the events, event staff. And we were guided to the Cub Clubhouse mm. where we would uh, go and sit down sort of like a sort of the way they do interviews now, like this, like, like the speed dating type thing. But mm. it was you sat down and these were the two people you sat with for the entire time. And I sat down with Gene and who was very young at the time and uh, Marty you know, the professor. And it, it was just like, I, it was almost kind of like, uh, like the universe working intertwined because I, I was referred by a teacher and then I was interviewed by two other teachers mm-hmm. and, you know, to sort of, you know, get, get my, get my bearings, but just coming into the clubhouse, man, just seeing that for the first time, uh, nothing, what it was, what it is now, like the, the, the party, the party it is now, it was just this really small, sort of slightly well lit room, you know, uh, some some a couple raunchy wood benches and some good folding chairs, and we just kind of sat around and we're like, we're, we talked for a little bit, and then the second interview was a panel of people: Julius Farrow, Danielle Alexa, Russell Johnson. They just kind of threw questions out there to you as a group, and the way you stood out was you raised your hand and responded to the questions when they asked. And that's what kind of got you hired because Mm -hmm. it showed that, you know, you would, you were proactive. You were able to be proactive in any, you know, given situation, even when slight pressure was applied. Yeah. Yeah. Or or at least that like you had like a take on what they were offering as a scenario. Cause I remember like being in that, that little room. um, I think they changed it to like, the vending cashier room eventually, but like right by gay t- K you were talking about, that's where I had absolutely yep. my, my group interview too. And I remember them, uh, Danielle Alexa asking a question like, uh, Oh, you have a fan who's like up and out of their seat, every single pitch, like blocking the view of someone behind them. Like, what yep. do you do in terms of a pro? And I think I, I, I don't even remember what I, I said. You probably go and advise them that like the people behind them, pay just as much money for this experience and like absolutely have any decency you want to and they'll be like well what if what if and then if you're willing to engage them meaning like if you want to stick to your guns or learn from what you offered i think that was like the biggest thing that let them know like you actually would be applicable like in the field like for real like you don't want to just be like (laughs) and then keep it moving you know for sure for sure so if there's if there's any uh aspiring uh cubs game day staff people out there that that's a, a big tip that we saw as a through line for for what we had in our group <laughs> um i i like how you say like the rest is history because that's kind of how it feels to me too what your first year was like 08 um yeah, my first 08. year was, was 10 
And then like, we kind of moved up sequentially and it feels like, Oh, that's all in like the natural process. Yeah. Um, but what really motivated you to start moving like kind of up through the ranks? Cause I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, I took you to the side in the bleachers the day you became a supervisor. And I told you, I'm going to try and do the same thing because like you're the example for me. And I appreciate that because like you give me something to strive for here. Um, so what was like that thing for you that pushed you to kind of like rise up through that? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I worked as an usher for four years. So no, mm -hmm. three, three years, three years. Uh, the 2008 season, 2009 season, 2010 season. Um, and while I was an usher, I was like, man, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun doing that, uh, scanning tickets, uh, passing out the promos, mm -hmm. uh, helping out, you know, the, uh, accessible patrons who needed, you know, who needed the wheelchair runs, like the wheelchair runs, very, very, very good, good way to interact with patrons and, uh, a good way to get a little uh, extra on the side if you if you feel me, let's <laughs> some some. But no, like I, I I did that for three years, and after three years, I was like, man, I feel like I want to do something different. I want to do something else. You know what I'm saying? So for a while, I was like kind of shy. I shot away from looking going into crowd control because that was what it was called at the time, crowd mm -hmm. control. So. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll move. I'll move up into it. So, uh, the seat, the year that I moved up into crowd control was uh, 2011, and uh, 2011 was the season when we got the two tone shirts, the solo cup, uh, those branded shirts, uh, and that was right after we had the old school cotton heavy polo tees, the blue ones for the ushers, white ones for crowd control. So, uh. You know, I, I, I moved up. I moved up to security because I wanted to do something different. I wanted a different. I wanted a new challenge, and I did that for three years. And after three years, again, I was like, okay, let me see if I can do it again. So, fun fact: 2014 was the first season that I applied for supervisor. Um, got all the way through the end of the process, but I did not get it the first year around. Um, and they just told me because I needed, I, I needed another, another season, uh, to grow a little bit more, to get more under my belt. Um, uh, and a uh, fun fact, uh, 2013, I won the security of the year award. So that was another thing that kind of pushed me. I was like, yeah, I, I'm done. I'm done with security. And I like, I've already got the award. Yeah. Like set. I got this. Yeah. Right. You know, so easy, but it didn't happen. So in 2015, uh, I had finally moved up and consequently that was uh, a, a hell of a ride because right. that's when they got good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and like we were just saying, the rest is kind of like history. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it's kind of parallel to you. I mean, obviously like with your moving up as like a guide for me, I was like, all right, it's, it's accessible. Like I appreciate and think I could kind of replicate the kind of leadership you bring. Cause that, that's what really made a difference for me. I was like, all right, he like lets me do my own thing. He'll give me like constructive feedback, but he'll always have my back. So if I could approach leadership the same way, I felt like I could, and then when I applied, like you talk about like the good timing, 
you come up 2015, I come in 2016. We end up with 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 good rings out of it. Oh, <laughs> um, but my 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 uh, my motto for anybody approaching me in like 2015, even when I was probably second year uh, security, I was like, man, I don't want those problems. Like that was like my motto whenever it was like, oh, you should go for supervisor, supervisor. And if it wasn't for like you making that jump, I wouldn't have considered it as seriously because I was like, I don't want no smoke. And, <laughs> and the year that I or maybe the year after, maybe 2017, um, is when they started to do like the promo distribution in a different way. And in my head, I was just like, this is exactly what I was talking about, because that was like the biggest. <laughs> I don't even know if I could use the appropriate words here to explain what that was, but a kerfuffle. It was a yes, kerfuffle. Yeah. Indeed a kerfuffle. Um, yeah. But let's let's get past the kerfuffles and, and get to some of the <laughs> some of the good um experiences that we had with the good timing we had i want to know because frank asks everyone i already know the answer to this question uh and you'll see why but where were you when the cubs won the world series oh man game seven it was a it was a hefty night at durkins we were at durkins uh i think it was me you alex dds blake uh, Charles, Sy- like it was, it was I want to say we were at least 30, 30 deep, mm-hmm. at least 30 deep in Durkins. And we had the bag bar sold out pretty much. And I remember the, I remember the final out happened. I'm standing in the front bar, mm-hmm. uh, in the front, in the, in the, in the final out happened and the, the bar erupted. I stood there like in, in just complete shock for like, I say about a good five minutes, mm-hmm. and then once I came to, because I got splashed with beer, I was like, "Oh snap! I gotta go to the back. I gotta go mm-hmm. to the back." So I go to the back, and I see Blake, and I find you. Mm-hmm. And right after I find you, we we freaking we just hugged it out for like a solid twenty minutes, like oh, tears. It was man, it was it was hella emotional, but it was good. It was good. It was a good night. Man, I remember my initial reaction, like when that last out hit, for like waterworks immediately. But then I was like, where's Corey? And like I started running around and I thought like by the backs of people moving around, I thought some of them were used. So I just started hugging random people. And then like people would turn around and be like, oh, who are you? And then I was like, ah, and I I went to find you. And then I started like jabbing you in the stomach, just crying. I'm like, we did it, we did it. um because like another part of why you were so uh influential on my experience at wrigley was because you know unfortunately we lost our mothers in the same season um absolutely absolutely. and there were more times than i could count where you kind of picked me up out of some stuff like while we were at wrigley um just with like the right thing to say the right kind of guidance um so i thought like I need to go and appreciate this with someone who kind of understands what spot we're in. Absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of carried over to parade day too, because me, you and Nick heard who, you know, also lost his mother. Uh, did, previously, yep. We all got to get that photo with the trophy kind of uh, in homage to them. Um, and we said we were going to do it that season. Remember? Yeah. We all said, we all said we were going to do it. It was right around the all-star break too. We were cocky. 
Um, yeah. Oh, very much. <laughs> um, but on that note, on parade day, because like, I, I feel like there's so many like behind the scenes stories when we have our guests from Wrigley come on, like who were at that parade that just don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like tea from parade day or just like any interesting uh, experiences from like the trolley you were on, the people you were with or like the after party and all that? Oh, man. Uh the day, the day, the day honestly was a blur, but I do remember uh, Jason Hayward and Kyle Hendricks getting getting on the wrong bus because they got on the bus with uh, with basically most of the supervisors. I was on the bus sitting with uh, Stanley, Eric Halstead, and uh, there was another uh, another player that was on the oh, um uh, ben Zobris was on the bus with us. Oh, nice. So it was funny when Hendricks and, and Hayward got on the bus, but they got on, they were like, it's the wrong bus. He was like, well, Hayward was like, I'm just trying to find the bus with the beer. So it's not going to be on this bus. So I'm going to get off this bus, going to the next bus. So they go to the next bus and he looks over at us and said, this bus ain't got no beer either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was, it's one of those, those moments where I was like, you know, these guys are real regular guys. Mm. Real chill guys. They're just enjoying themselves. Um, as far as me though, uh, <laughs> the, I just I I just had to soak up that entire day for what it was, and it was it's kind of hard to like pinpoint specific moments. Yeah. That 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 you had, but I will say the one thing that gave me chills was arriving to Wrigley and seeing those buses. Mm-hmm. sit outside seeing all those people and then getting on the bus pulling pulling away from the ballpark and riding around and seeing a sea of people yeah. everywhere like made me feel like i was on the field right made me feel like i played you know mm-hmm. and ridiculous man like it was just it was a ridiculous time it was a once like once in a lifetime thing you know, oh, yeah. not many people can say that they, they, they got a chance to do that. Especially, and we and we got that. Especially like in retrospect, now that we you know know the direction of the team at the moment, uh, yeah. like just how lucky we were. That's wild. Like when you said showing up, I think like <laughs> I feel like the day peaked when we showed up and then got better somehow. Yeah. Because um, like we got there. It was early call too. like we were out there like 8 a.m. or something. And the sun is rising because it's November at this point. Oh, by the way, it was, se- no, it was like in the 70s that morning. Oh, you yeah, know, that's right. It was because it was hella sunny. Right. I had on that hot sweater. I was like, first of all, God got us. Second of all, um, we showed up and it's an empty ballpark. And the video board says like World Series champion. And you <laughs> see the W flag in the sunrise. I was like, this is a movie. Uh, like this, <laughs> this doesn't happen. No, um, it doesn't. So then we, we get on our buses. I got on with Theo and Jed um, and the bus in front of us, I think was Lester and Lackey, which will be important in a second. But like you said, just having like the whole city kind of shut down and watching you was like something I could have never anticipated. Like people were like crying and yelling at me as if, as if we were players, you know, cause like if we're just standing on there. People think you're, you know, on the field, or, like, All right, yeah. might, as, might as well. 
I roll um, with it. <laughs> and so we get to like, we're pulling into Millennium Park. I have a video of the first part of this. And like you said, the sea of people, I've never, like, there's people shoulder to shoulder to the horizon of like when you're down Michigan Avenue that way, like for miles. And I was like, that took my breath away, first of all. Then we turn right by Millennium Park and there's that like overpass. Yeah. And so, obviously everyone's still standing up and like we start telling everybody because like i guess the one function we were there to do was like tell people to stand up or sit down um and they're we like, did none of that no but at this one juncture i was like oh my telling people to sit down is going to be great um because they like could have legit hit their heads on the on the overpass yeah and so we're like relaying to all the buses like hey sit down when we get through the bridge and stand back up whatever John Lackey is not sitting down. And so we're like, hey, that's bad. And so we're trying to get the attention of the bus in front of us, like sit, sit. And Lackey's looking back at us. And I'm like, no, 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 like look that way and sit down. And so like he starts sitting down and he was wearing a cowboy hat and it like started to get taken off by the overpass. Like he had his hat like knocked off by like the overpass or some wire or something up there. I'm like, dude. This wow. could have been a whole lot worse. Um, <laughs> oh man! And um, but yeah, that's probably. And then the trolley ride back to Wrigley, and then the trophy and all that. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love how I love how we're so like flip about. Oh yeah, like the trophy and like the celebration, and um, <laughs> we're just like all all nonchalant about it. Like yeah, you know the trophy, you know the fireworks on the field, and then the after party. Yeah, like we were at the Metro with the whole team, but like, yeah, yeah. Um, and execs, no big <laughs> kids, kids these days. will never know. They'll um, never understand it. So from I know another like Corey special at Wrigley was like just being in your orbit around the convention. Um, and I want to know if you have any like conventions. So first of all, which hotel was better? Um, because I know they changed. Was it from the Marriott to the Hyatt? We went from uh, we went from the Hilton, the Hilton. To, the, to the Sheridan. Okay, I was way off. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilton to the Sheridan. Yeah, so the Hilton was like much more intimate, I yeah. guess. Like the Sheridan was like really baller status, and they had like everything attached to it for like I guess the player amenities. But like, which is your preference there? Well, so the Hilton had more space as far as like festivities. Uh, the Sheridan just looks good. Mm-hmm. In my in my opinion, it's it's far uh it's far smaller for a venue because you know, you 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 know, have a convention there, it seems every level is just jam-packed with people, hard yeah. to move around, you know. Um, but working at the Hilton, you know, you didn't quite have those problems because it, it was enough space, it was a lot of space. Because yeah. it, it was a historic building. See, the Sheridan's fairly new, a fairly new-ish building. So it's like it was built with modern ties in mind and, you know, things like that. Um, but as far as like just the parties itself, like, first of all, if if you if you know the convention prior to like, I want to say 2012 mm-hmm. or 2013, um, you know, the one thing you look forward to was the party. Right, and there was there was a party that they threw, which has been horrifically replaced by bingo. But uh, <laughs> like, just 
obliterated a good time. But the party was good because you could, you know, you had staff, season ticket holders, convention goers. Everybody was in there just having a good time and partying. And that that you kind of built camaraderie prior to the season starting because guaranteed within that first homestand, you're going to run into a couple of people. Like, hey, I, I remember seeing you at a convention, you know. Yeah. And that that is one of the main things that I loved about convention, that that party. You got to, you know, got to mingle with everybody. Uh, you reestablish that family aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my individual party, like as far as like you know, uh, the hotel rooms. Yeah, that was the headline event. Oh man, yeah, look, <laughs> man, it's let me tell you, uh, I just like to have a good time, and I know <laughs> that that's that's the one uh, that's the one time of year where you're guaranteed everyone's gonna get loose. Well, actually, two. You get that time of year, and then you get the end of the season party, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But uh. The end of the the end of the, the the beginning of the year is like it's like the beginning of the year party is basically the kickoff. Yeah. So I view kick I view convention as that that that, that new year. I view it as the new year right. for us. Um. So I treat it as such, man. We just party, have a good time. There was one time I disappeared on everybody at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh. When I was still when I was still dating uh Nidra, Nidra right. Slaughter. I remember. Um, but we both disappeared from the party and it was, and it was because, yeah, it was just too much. It was a lot going on. There was a lot of people were drinking. So we disappeared, got food while everybody was still up there trashing the room, but it was cool. It was, it was a good time. Everybody enjoyed themselves. Nobody got hurt. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah apologies to Sheridan. Um, my fault. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all invoices, please, please address them to Corey Robinson. Um, yeah, absolutely. I got no money though. <laughs> so uh end of the season parties then um like when you're talking about so for my my convention and end of season party reference started kind of late like i only went to them after i would say 2013 um i didn't go like early on but yeah. I, I i missed out for sure um but end of season parties i'm trying to remember the last one i went to um it had to have been the one in 2016, but I forgot where it was. Was that at? Uh, it was at Old Crow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was the last one I went to. Because mm-hmm. um, we had the trophy there. We had the multiple levels. Um, it was a lot more space at the concert, the band on stage. There, yeah. Yeah. So you got any stories from end of year parties or, or is that not PG enough? Oh no, not for this podcast. <laughs> oh no, it's the end of the year party. That's a different. That's a different beast, right? Um, but I will say um, for anyone who is a rookie and uh, looking forward to the party, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fun because, like I said about the convention, convention gets the year started. The end mm-hmm. of this end of the year party is self-explanatory the end of the year it's a party we're gonna treat it as such because realistically some of these people you're not gonna see for a few like six months yeah you know uh and then some you'll stay in contact with some you may not see it at all you know some people just may not come back so 
you know, you, you take that opportunity to kind of hang out because, you know, personnel changes year by year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one, that's the one thing that makes the end of the year party so special because like the one in 2019 that we just recently had, that was probably, and I think a lot of people will agree that it's probably one of the best ones that we had because we were pretty much given free reign of the ballpark. We yeah. could go every, we literally could go everywhere. Clubhouse, visitors clubhouse, dugouts, field, mound, uh, uh, press box, scoreboard. Just we, we, we had free reign of everything and uh, run of show. Yeah. Full run of show, full run of show. Um, and it was a good time. It was a great, a great way to end off the year. So hopefully it's something that they'll do for us again uh, on a, on a, on a, like a larger scale. Cause you know, you got quite a few people that's looking forward to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially like in regards to that, like, I wasn't there. I left in 2017, but I would have to think like we had, we had a mid season party too. I remember one year where we got, we kind of had like use Wrigley as your playground kind of approach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously that's really cool, but, um, low key, like if you get a chance to like walk around with no people in it, you could kind of catch your bearings a little better and understand how to approach things when you don't have the sight lines, when you, when you have people in front of you, when you are exactly. like, what kind of shortcuts can I take? What's my best route of entry and exit? Like all of these Absolutely. that like play on your security mind, you could kind of scope it out like batting practice almost. Yep. Um, yep. Outside of the fact that it's just completely dope to be able to like, hey, I'm on the mound. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right. So let's transition a little bit to um, me selfishly. I don't know if you listen to this podcast um, frequently, but I do a segment called Headlines and Hot Takes. So right. selfishly, so I don't have to record twice, I'm going to go through it with you because I okay. know you're, you're probably in tune with a lot of the stuff I'm about to talk about. So okay. We're going to touch on how much have you heard about what's going on with Javi Baez out in New York? Oof. Uh, it's been rough. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I get it. New Yorkers are, are a different breed when it comes to sports. And if, if they're not rocking with you, they're, they're not rocking with you and they're going to let you know. Mm-hmm. We, we don't like it. So, but Javi, Lindor, and someone else, uh, they when they did the thumbs down, mm-hmm. they uh, all simultaneously just, just thumbs down the crowd. <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm not I'm not bitter about it because I'm like I think it's good banter. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, you had it where fans and 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 players would spit back and forth mm-hmm. because I mean, hey, if you can dish it, you can. If you can take it, you can dish it, and if you can right. dish it, you can take it. So it's, it's vice versa, yeah, and I think it's overall good for the sport. Because it gets the fans more engaged, whether they're booing or or uh, or they're cheering. And I forget who said it. But they said if they're booing, if they're if they're booing you, that means you 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 matter. Like right. you have a you got a, a following behind you, and they have to care enough to not like you. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't if if they don't pay attention to you, if they don't cheer anything, they don't say anything. Then yes, you're nobody. Right. But, you know, we all know Javi and we all know what Javi can do and what he's capable of. We all know the kind of guy Javi is. Um, can he be a hothead? For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not soft to you about it. I, I feel like it, the fan, this is what New York does. Hell, Chicago. 
mm-hmm. Chicago fans can be ruthless. Yeah. You know, you see it when they when when you have shows like WWE come and they hijack the crowd and you know and and, and things like that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm indifferent about it. I feel like it's good for the sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie. I kind of love it. Like, cause I went to on my birthday, the Mets were playing the Marlins. It was right after Javi got traded. I'm like, I gotta go see my boy. So we went to the game. And we're like right off the Mets dugout. So we're surrounded by Mets fans. And I understand. I'm going to try and put this nicely. I understand that like they've been going through it and they got a big payroll and they got big expectations. But buddy behind me, who apparently was like on a live stream because he's like, go follow me on Twitch, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Who thought he was like king of Marlins Park for no reason. um, (laughs) Started off like super comically like oh the best team ever we're gonna totally we're winning the east blah 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 by like the middle of the first inning that it was still nothing nothing and he starts like going on a nine inning rant about how (laughs) the worst team i've ever seen like booing people loud like because there's no one in marlins park so everything he said the players could hear they were turning around looking at him so i'm like if you're getting that times forty thousand at home games of course, if you're a player in a pennant race, like trying your best, because I legitimately as like Javi and Francisco and other guys are trying, like it's not like they're just dogging it. Like, I I, I love to see this. Like, hey, you boo me, I'm gonna boo you. Uh, like do better. Absolutely. Because you want me to do better, I want you to do better. Exactly. It's exactly. like a give and take. Um, I actually I I really pre- and and it's really interesting to. I'm reading on the athletic now that like the Mets are in a little bit of a culture shock with Javi because he comes with all of the air of like, Oh man, El Mago, like this guy is a stud, which he can be, but like the New York crowd who just met him is not going to give him as much leeway for when things don't go well as like the Cubs fans who have been in love with him for six years. Like there's, there's a very much like, one of our favorite sons, like, oh, we'll let him get through the bad and only celebrate the good. Like, if Cubs fans were booing him, I would almost similarly enjoy him giving a thumbs down to us and we'd be like, ah, oh, I got to take stock in my fandom and, like, understand yep. what I'm doing here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. Yes. Accountability. Yes. A hundred percent. Quickly, before we get off baseball, would you like, personally, would you like to see any of those, any of those guys come back? Um, selfishly, I would love to see them all come back. To take the right. truth, uh, just to get the core back together, uh, just to just to see what they can do. Um, but I would personally like to see Rizzo come back. Mm-hmm. Only reason why is because I was I, I was there when he became our everyday first baseman. Right. You know, so like watching him leave as a fan and as an employee kind of, you know, left a bad taste. Yeah. You know, especially watching the way that it was handled, but mm-hmm. Rizzo for sure. I would love to see him, see him come back. Yeah. I get- KB. I feel like he's better off. Yeah. Um, I get the vibe that Rizzo might come since he's a Florida boy, he might come down. The Marlins are on the rise. They got pitching for days. Uh, 
and <laughs> they don't necessarily have an opening at first base, but I think he'd kind of trade the idea of being closer to home and maybe playing a little less. Cause if the DH comes to the NL two, they could just move their existing first baseman to the DH and have Anthony play every day. Um, yep. I, I think obviously it was the right move to move on from them right now. Um, but like you're saying, I think it was handled iffy um, to not have any of those guys get an at bat in their final game was sus. Um, Sketch. A little bit. And um, I, yeah, I, I like, like you said, I think KB's in a better situation. Um, Javi's interesting to me, obviously from like a personal perspective is like, you love the guy you want to see him back. Um, he turned down a huge offer previously with the Cubs and was working on a new one right before COVID hit. Um, and he's been struggling enough this year that that'll get pointed out by other teams in free agency. And he probably won't get the money he wants. I think you could legitimately, I'm not saying this will be with the Cubs, but wherever he does go, I could see him getting like a one year kind of like prove it deal. Like we were talking about previously with the idea of like, maybe the Cubs should go get Noah Syndergaard um, yeah, yeah. who just had um, uh, just returned or is returning this month from like an arm injury, which is really delicate for a pitcher. Like give him a, deal with a bunch of incentives and have him try and prove it. I think Javi's setting himself up for that same scenario. Like whatever team goes against him, like you got to prove that you're El Mago again before, you know, we give you the bag. Um, I think that's probably not what Javi wants to hear if he's even listening, which I doubt, but um, I think re- <laughs> realistically, know. yeah, realistically, uh, I think they'll probably all, unfortunately you know go their own separate ways and we'll get to see them at the 10-year reunion whenever they're in 2026 or whatever um, we'll get to see them at convention when they're all retired true true yeah they'll they'll have spots forever and ever um oh, ab- absolutely uh, so absolutely from uh let's go to basketball now from baseball okay. um, That's i'll save the the current ben simmons stuff for after this because locally the bulls might be popping uh i want to get your opinion on what they've been able to like how they've been able to restructure that team and what you see them doing coming into next year um i uh for the, i can honestly say and i think you can you can probably agree with me here i can say i'm, I'm a little bit more excited about that bulls basketball mm-hmm. uh overall now versus in the past um because you've, you've got good talent uh i'm a big fan of lonzo ball mm-hmm. because i know he can be a really good player he is a really good player uh and i also like the fact that you went and got a veteran in demar Derozan to help out you still got you know we got was it vucevic mm-hmm. so um and then who's who's the other who's the third one we got oh levine the Levine, yeah, Levine, yeah. big our main guy. That's our mm-hmm. that's our main guy, hands down. Right, you know, uh, Zach Levine is our main guy, and I love the fact that these guys are young. They 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 got that spring in their step. Um, I I, I like Billy Donovan as a coach, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I I love the fact that they they got him when they got him because that that meant he was gonna bring in some talent. Right. He was, he was going – it was inevitable he was going to bring in talent. And this is, what, his second, third season with us? Yeah, I think this will be the second. 
No. Yeah, one of the two. I think so. Yeah. 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 So it's like, I mean, this is within your first two to three years, and you're mm-hmm. already bringing bringing big talent in. So it shows that you know that the organization is trying to go in a direction that 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 wants to win. Yeah. Uh, and and win like now. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'm not convinced on is where we go defensively. Cause you know, back in the day we had that the bench mob, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We had the bench mob. We had, we had, you know, people that were able to be six man of the year, defensive player of the year. You know, these, these guys that were able to put up 10, 12 blocks a game, mm-hmm. big guys, you know, we don't have those guys. Right. That's the That's where I'm, I'm, I'm a little iffy. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a journey defensively. I think, uh, <laughs> Lonzo is a good on-ball defender at guard. He is. I think the money for Caruso you spent as probably your sixth man was that an, another good pickup because yep. then you could Caruso. surround Levine and with good defenders on the perimeter and kind of have him really focus offensively where he makes his money. Um, I think Lonzo too, like Lonzo and DeRozan. Obviously, Lonzo is younger. Um, you gave him money with the expectation he'll grow into his ceiling, which I thoroughly believe he'll get there. Um, DeRozan, a lot of people have issue with because of the yearly, like he'll get $28 million a year. Um, he's 32 um, and he doesn't play defense and he's a mid range scorer. He doesn't shoot threes, but I think like you're all of a sudden you're, giving Zach a lot of breathing room to not have to be the mid range scorer or the facilitator anymore or a defender really like Zach can really just kind of open up his offensive game completely because of who you've surrounded him with, whether it's like the pick and roll of Vucevic or shoot, uh, you know, off ball shooter from perimeter or like attack kind of guy. I think the they're hitching their wagon to Levine entirely with this move. Yep. Um, and they have to re-sign him at this point. Um, but you got to give him a contract. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the t- the Bulls are the only team that could go over the salary cap to give him a max deal, uh, which bodes well for them. Um, I think Patrick Williams is interesting. I think yeah. Um, between him, Levine, and Lonzo, I think then you add kind of a superstar to that trio, maybe in three four years, and you have something. Absolutely. Um, I think they're looking more like a middle to lower seed playoff team, but in yeah. relative terms, in, in terms of Bulls basketball, that's a huge win. If you see like a six seed for two, three years, yeah. and then with the promise of like, it'll get better from there. I think uh, that's something that we haven't seen since Derek, maybe Derek and Joakim and Thibodeau mm. and Butler. Yep. Um, Thibodeau's Bulls. Yeah, I um, that's a very welcome change for me. I think it is for you too. Uh, give you give you a reason to kind of be a little bit more invested in the Bulls. Uh, yeah, give absolutely, you, give you something to do over the winter. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, all right. So Ben Simmons. I don't know how much you've been following this, but he could not shoot in the playoffs. Uh, Philly has made it kind of clear that they don't think they could win with him. And he has said he doesn't want to report to training camp in a few weeks. Um, they're looking to get rid of him. I'm not sure you're how much or how familiar you are with the situation, but what's your take on kind of like a guy who 
was seen so integral to the process, especially in Philly, um, at this point kind of leaving, leaving on terrible terms, or so it would appear? Um, you know, sometimes it happens in, mm-hmm. in, in basketball. And, and sometimes it's never really at the fault of, uh, of the organization or the individual. I think it's just more of uh, the individual wants a little bit more than the organization can or is willing to give them. Mm-hmm. And that can start to take effect on the person's individual game. Whereas, you know, some people will say, oh, you want to play up just so these other teams can see you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you can, if you're a player that's capable of scoring 28 a game, he's very capable of scoring 28 a game. Like, let's, I mean, it's, Ben Simmons is a, is a good player. Mm-hmm. He's very capable of scoring 28 a game. Mm-hmm. So in his, in his case, it would be one of those situations where, oh, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting anything really what I want. Like, and if it, whether that's communicated or not, I can't continue to throw myself out there going crazy for a team. That's not going crazy for me. Yeah. You know, and, and you kind of see it, you kind of, you kind of saw it with Russell Westbrook and OKC. He was there. He was a staple for a while, but it was clear that OKC had no intentions on doing anything to supplement. Yeah. You know, um, it didn't matter going to get Carmelo Anthony when they got him. It, yeah. That didn't do anything. And it's the same thing now with them in, in, in L.A. Uh, ben Simmons is a really young guy. What, I think, what, 23? Yeah, I think 23, 24. 24, yeah. yeah. Really young. Got a lot of basketball ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs the right system. And all this is just proving is Philly wasn't the right place for him. Yeah. Um, should the Bulls go after him? Yeah, I say so. Give, 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 get a superstar. Because, you know, Ben Simmons isn't uh, – he's, he's not Huff. You know, <laughs> he's not like people making this make it out to seem like he's oh, okay. Yeah, he had a, a couple bad games in yeah. the playoffs. It happens. Like everybody's not gonna be good every single time. Everybody's not gonna be Jordan. Everybody's not mm-hmm. gonna be Kobe. Everybody's not gonna be LeBron. You know, hell, you're not even gonna be Tim Duncan and and, and his with his prowess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that I think that's just the, the point of it all, man. With Ben Simmons, he just gotta. Stick to his guns, you know, continue to play for him and let his game come out because he faces the same scrutiny that KD faces. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Would you be willing to part with a guy like Zach Levine for Ben Simmons? That, that's the only thing that gives me pause. Now, at that, do I think he's worth the Zach Levine? No. But then again, I don't see Zach Levine as a, like, a top-tier player either. Like I see Zach Levine as a, he's definitely top 20. I won't say he's like top 10 in the league Mm because, you know, it's so it's, it's far more, far more of the talent is out there. That's better. Tell you out of the top five are still currently healthy. Like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, like all these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, all these guys. Um, so would I be willing to part I don't know. I don't. I don't say. I, I don't think I would jump at that directly. I would try to see if there was something else I could move around. But mm. no. 
Yeah, I think you you'd probably give you give up a little too much shooting for my because t- you bring you bring Ben to the Bulls. Um, it's great for defense, uh, but great. like I know Vucevic can shoot, Lonzo can shoot a little bit, uh, but then you have I think Ben's always going to run into an issue if he goes to a team with a good big, like because he's got this current or perceived issue with Joel Embiid in terms of their game being so overlapping almost like Embiid can dominate the post. And if you have Ben not being able to kind of stretch the floor and give him space, he's going to be driving to the basket every time. They're going to be like next to each other on almost every possession. I think Ben has to go to a situation where there either isn't a real dominant center already existing on the team, or there's a stretch big, which is why I think, I think Minnesota is trying pretty hard to get him uh, to pair pair him with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who's the best shooting center uh, in the NBA at the moment. Um, That makes sense. But I think, I don't know. uh, I think Ben would get a lot of media flack uh, in Chicago. Kind of like Javi going to New York. I think maybe Philly's got the, he's our favorite prodigal son and doesn't give him quite as much uh, love. Well, I don't think they give him quite as much negativity until just now. Like, I think everyone, like the Mets fan at the Marlins game, everyone was like super peaked and then like super not geeked about Ben Simmons all of a sudden. Very present at the moment. Um, I don't know. That'd be interesting, though. Um, I can see it. All right, let's get to your favorite then, the Bears. Um, Almost every show we talk about Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know if that's a direction you want to take going into the you know going into the season which i guess is like a week away or something like that Um, close uh justin won't be the week one starter uh what do you think his timeline looks like and where do you see this team going this year uh scenarios one scenario i see playing out if andy dalton starts off two and one he'll be the for sure starter they'll keep him as the starter because you know uh I mean, two and one is a really good start. First three games, two wins, cool. Um, in the event that he's not able to put up any wins, or if his if the games he plays are just flat out sloppy, and they don't want to take the risk, then I can see Justin Fields coming in maybe by week five. Yeah, you know, week five, maybe week six. Uh, but that's also dependent on if Andy Dalton isn't Andy Dalton, right? Um, I'm not hella. I'm not thrilled about having Andy Dalton. Uh, I'm not even thrilled about having <laughs> Nick Foles. It's promising having Justin Fields, but because we know this this Bears this Bears system, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we're just gonna waste him. Waste. We're gonna just waste his talent. Like we're wasting a lot of our other talent. But there's promise. Because we have offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. We have a very solid defense. Yeah. You know, they're they're aggressive, like much more aggressive than than Erlocker and Briggs and Hillenmeyer were like mm-hmm. they these guys that come they come to play, which is something that you really want to see, especially coming from the Bears. That's what we were known for. Right. Um I don't. I just. I think the one thing that just kicks me with the Bears is Nagy, though. He's such a terrible play caller. Oof. He's such a terrible play caller. Like, yeah, I. 
I really don't know how it was possible for the narrative around him to be like coming from KC. He was like the offensive guru, like kind of like similar to Mark Trestman. Yes. When he came in as like, Oh, the quarterback whisperer. And then everyone was trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like how it went from like Matt Nagy was like the reason, uh, Mahomes is what he is. The reason KC won or like was on the path to a Super Bowl, and to come here and like completely disprove that year after year after year, I I wouldn't be mad to see him. I think you kind of save Justin's trajectory a little bit if you justify letting him go after the season, regardless of what happens. Because I think I honestly think the the ceiling for this team, the offensive line. It, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, special teams is probably worse. Um, coaching is, is not good. Um, defensively, if they could stay off the field and keep stay rested, I mean, the offense is on the field for what 15 seconds of a drive. Uh, so if the defense can actually get some rest, they can maybe fight their way to eight and nine, nine and eight. I don't know. Yes, possibly. Do you, do you see them as a playoff team? Uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Once again, it goes back to how they start. Mm. If if they can if they can get out to a good start, the only other competition I see is Green Bay, and it really depends on how Aaron Rodgers does. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Aaron Rodgers of old, but I think because Green Bay is Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, they're always going to have a shot. Mm-hmm. That's fair, like the Cardinals. That's, like- exactly. Simple. Um, but that's only competition. So if we can play play out well, win the North. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely see first round, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know. I think that that scenario too, because I was like in a big circle trying to get back to Nagy here. I think even if you make the playoffs and lose in the first round again, I think you have grounds to not bring him back. Like, I think him and him and Ryan Pace probably like, hey, thanks, uh, but like we got to go a different direction here. Like with Justin Field, we got to squeeze something out of the defense while we still have it the way it is, and we got to you know right the ship a completely different way. Um. Yeah, I, I, that's probably the best. It's unfortunate. Like every time we we get to a point where like, hey, the Bears are talented. It's always like an issue with the coaching or an issue with yep. a huge portion of the game. Like the entire offensive line is terrible. Or like when they made the Super Bowl, the offense was not good. You didn't have still <laughs> very good receivers. Um, like it's always like one huge major hole, and. I think, what is this, year three or four of Nagy now? Four, I believe. And Ryan Pace a little longer as GM. Like, hey, you, yeah. had, you had like a whole college tenure to <laughs> to get this uh, figured out in the like one of the biggest media markets and the biggest fan bases in the nation. And like, hey, thanks, but. In your senior year. Right. Basically. <laughs> right. Hey, you got you to gotta pass these finals. Uh, memo to memo to Matt Nagy. Pass these finals, bro. Uh, Pass your finals, man. Pass your finals. I uh, one of my buddies from Loyola. He coaches like AAU basketball. Yeah, and he coaches Matt Nagy's sons. And oh wow, one of uh, 
one of the kids on his team uh, is a huge Ohio State fan. So the day after the NFL draft, the Bears, you know, take Justin Fields. This kid on the team, he's like, I walk. My my friend is like, I walked into practice. The kid who's the Ohio State fan walked up right up to Matt Nagy's kid. He's like, if you ruined Justin Fields' career, I know where you live, and just walked away. <laughs> I'm like, um, that's how serious it gets around here. That's how serious. Oh it gets man. Around. Oh man. <laughs> he's like, you ruined his career. Right. I mean. <sighs> It just sucks that that's a perception. Like you get a quarterback that comes to Chicago. That's what happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and the thing is, when was the last time we had a great quarterback? Um, I mean, I, you can't, I, I, I know people are always like, Oh, Sid Luckman, but like who is alive who has seen Sid Luckman play quarterback. So, um, in our lifetimes, I'm going to say zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. Yeah, I mean, you had that one year of McMahon in 85 before he got completely destroyed. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw the 30 for 30 on the Bears, but um, when he was, like, basically suplexed out of bounds by that defensive lineman on the Packers. Oh, yeah, after a yeah. Play, that, like, ruined his career. Um, and- then you damaged his spine. Yeah, and he's got big issues with CT and stuff. Yeah. Never the same quarterback. Um, and I mean, Jay Cutler would be the closest thing. Um, yeah, but I don't think you could even make a case that like there there are like zero for the last 40, 50 years. There are like zero. Oh, I think that should guy that guy should be in the Hall of Fame kind of quarterbacks to pass through Chicago, which is awful. Like even you look at even like not consistently great franchises like they can hit once in a while. Like it's just so it's such an, and then to look at your, your primary rival um, basically goes from like Bart Starr to Brett Favre with a few guys in between there to Aaron Rodgers. Like they have a whole, like they've had 50 years kind of covered (laughs) by three guys. Um, True. Such an indictment. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it should be, it should be a fun winter. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see. I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I I, I suppose that's because like eh, like here with the Dolphins, like people don't seem super stoked. Like they have they have a lot of promise in two Dolphins, Woo! right? Um, I don't know, man. Like the 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 fan bases here, they seem they seem engaged. Like when it when it becomes like a big deal, but it's different than like bandwagony. Like I feel like the actual real fans will show up if it's like crunch time and still won't come off as like bandwagon fans. But otherwise it's like, there's no one there. I feel like that's kind of the same with like the white Sox, like not this year per se, but like previously, like they had good fans who cared. They just wouldn't go to games until it mattered. Um, I get, I kind of get that vibe here (laughs) in Miami. So. Oh yeah. That's coming back to Wrigley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what is that, uh, what has that been like with like the, what's the, the feeling in the ballpark now? Cause like, obviously it reads differently on TV. It still looks a little reminiscent of 2012. Uh, and I know how that felt, but like, what's the vibe at the park? Oh man. The, uh, I can say that week coming back after the trades, mm-hmm. uh, was rough just because we had the socks. <laughs> and uh, when I say the Southsiders were relentless, 
they were they were relentless. Like it wasn't pretty. A lot of paperwork. Digital paperwork. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it was uh it's now I wanna say the 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 atmosphere is like everyone's aware of how not good they are. Yeah. Uh but I think more people are kind of just hanging it to to see what happens. Yeah. Like most people are hanging in there to see what happens. Some season ticket holders are like, no, I'm I'm gonna just keep them around and see what happens. Yeah. And um yeah, it's, it's like you said, reminiscent of twenty twelve for sure. Yeah, I you know. I remember that year specifically. Uh, my dad and my uncle came to a game. They were playing the yeah. Padres, who were also not good at the time. Um, and they had tickets down by the Cubs bullpen. Yeah. And I remember walking over to my dad's seat and looking out and looking at a crowd that like wasn't there. Like there was no one in the upper deck. And my dad was like, oh, have they gone back to closing the upper deck? Because he's like, he remembers from like the 60s and 70s where they wouldn't even open the upper deck because they didn't sell enough tickets. Yeah. And like <laughs> the bleachers were almost empty. The upper deck was empty. Like the lower bowl had like 2,000 people in it. Like it, it, it doesn't seem quite there right now. I think from that, from an outsider that I am now, like I think people want to go back to Wrigley after, you know, having not been able to access it for almost two years. And uh, there's still kind of that party atmosphere, obviously there, which yep. is why the rooftops are such a big appeal. And yep. for me, like the engaged fan, like I still want to see like what Patrick Wisdom can do if he could stick around, what Ortega can do, what some of the pitching can do. Like, yep, you're kind of like you're using the season as like a scouting tool almost. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of you know see what's what, right? You know, and 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 uh, like Jed Hoyer, retool rather than rebuild. Yeah. You know, so it's like you already got a foundation. You just have to have the right tools to reinforce it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it stands to rebound much quicker than, you know, the first time around when Theo came, it was like, give me five years. I don't think Jed's asking for five years. I think legitimately within two to three, you could see a legitimately contending team. Uh, So that might be like a shameless self plug to like, Hey, get in line for season tickets while you can because a couple <laughs> years. Uh, but yeah, all right. So let's let's move from like a somber Wrigley note to uh, wrap up here with a little more like creative juices here. I know you got your hands in, in a lot of plausible ventures. I know you got your music going on. I know you wanted to start a podcast. I know you've been traveling a lot more. What's yes, uh, what's on your plate the rest of 2021 and, and further? Uh, well, I'm getting ready to, uh, as far as music, uh, something is in the works coming very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be, that's all I'm going to give you. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, it's it's going to come as a surprise. It's going to drop. I'm going to leave subtle hints. Mm-hmm. Leave some subtle hints out there. You know, a couple clips here and there, but uh, something very, very soon. And uh and it's just taking some creative flow from, you know, what we've experienced in the past year, 
uh, and even this year leading up to this point, uh, kind of bringing everything full circle. Um, but yeah, man, uh, traveling also has been uh, helping gain inspiration on, oh, yeah. you know, what I want to, what I want to write about and what I want to, uh, you know, dig into as far as music um, and as far as writing, which is another thing I'm, I'm about to start looking into. I want to write a novel um, and just mostly something probably based off of like a parody of what we've gone through at Wrigley, you know, not, not exactly to the, to the T, but like a, like a parody, like the office. Yeah. But, but in, in a story form, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, recreate a lot of characters, re, re, recreate a lot of events, recreate a lot of different moments, but oh, with different outcomes uh, that are relatable to the actual events. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, just, it's to really just a, um, a paint a picture um, and, and kind of give people that third party experience that fly on the wall experience yeah. without giving too much. Cause I feel like there's a lot of things, you know, we would all like to keep internally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as Wrigley's concerned, but um, yeah. Uh, traveling more, man. I'm, I'm trying to get in. So trying to get more international. Mm. That's my next venture. Um, so I may be looking to go Italy at some point once things kind of calm down. Yeah. yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Once things kind of calm down, make my way out there. Uh, I also want to get to Spain, okay. uh, Barcelona. I want to hit Barcelona because I just, for some reason, I just want to get there and just see what it's like, experience gonna, the culture. You're going to have amazing food at those two places. For sure. For sure. Um, and then also, uh, uh, the, the, the podcast that I'm working on, uh, more more news based, um, but not so not so much as following like current events, but taking the events and and and, and trying to like teach lessons behind it, sort of the way that I do with my posts on Facebook. Mm. Uh, you know, put truth out there and kind of talk to people uh, through understanding, rather than trying to beat people over the head with the facts and the data and the statistics and the, you know, like just find find tr- meaning through truth and truth through meaning you know like what what's happening what actually is um how does this affect you how could it affect you how it doesn't affect you mm. um you know just trying to get people more in tune with themselves trying to teach uh individualism again because we live in a society where everything is has got to be about the collective or it has to be like a group think has yeah, to be something insane. yeah you know rather than leaving your way for individual thought um i felt like that's something that everybody like forgot as a as a group mm-hmm. like you forgot who you are as an individual and you if you don't know who you are as an individual there's no way you can exist in, in a group Right, you know, because all you're doing is just following the next trend over and over again. Yeah, you're just parodying things. Exactly, yeah. with no foreseeable end. So that's another thing that I'm I'm looking into doing. On that podcast, are you going to be digging in a little bit to? 
how you are now a cryptocurrency uh, mogul. Uh, oh, for sure. Let's for sure. Re- let's hear how you got into some of this Dogecoin before we get out of here. Oh man! Uh, so funny thing, it was a uh, I was looking into cryptocurrency back in 2020 because you know the economy shut down, mm-hmm. uh, so stifled your income a little bit, and I had to kind of figure out like what was the best way to do something. So Frank had already been talking about investing for a while. Mm-hmm. um and i know he dealt with like with stocks and and uh and different uh different things like you know i don't know if he didn't did dealt with crypto at all but just the fact that he talked about investing and, and actually making your money work for you you know generating passive income mm-hmm. um and i started to look into that a little bit more to understand it so uh i did first i originally dibble dabbled with the stock market made a little bit of money Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? I don't really like it because, you know, it's just based on the company. Mm-hmm. But where, whereas c- cryptocurrency is based on usage and, you know, the backing of the people. Um, I was like, screw it. I'll get into it. So I started learning about Bitcoin, started learning about Ethereum. And then there's this, 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 this one little coin that comes up, you know, one little coin with the Shiba, Shiba Inu on it. And it's called Doge, called Dogecoin. I'm like, this is, this is a pretty cheap coin. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I got into it, it was like five cents. So, of course, I took a little bit of the money that I got from unemployment and invested it. Um, I invested about maybe 1100 bucks. I flipped that within two to two and a half months, flipped that 1100 to 15K. Nice. And then reinvested more money like so you know I, I made more money off of an initial investment and it was good it was a, it was it was real good so uh-huh. i started it made me want to learn about the blockchain it made me, me want to learn about the ledgers it made me want to learn about uh you know the gas fees that it kind of that comes with you know mining crypto yeah. and transferring crypto storing hot storage cold storage different things like that um so yeah man no, crypto is one of those things where i think is like once you learn about it, um, it can be very lucrative, especially once you know how to work it. Yeah. And, and you know, and patience, having patience, because, you know, this is not going to just flip overnight for those who are listening. You no, know, it wasn't 15,000 overnight. Right. It was in two months. I'm not flexing. That's literally 60 days. <laughs> right. 60 days. So like, and a lot could have happened. I could have made a lot more, could have made a lot less. I yeah. could have made nothing. Uh, but I, I say that's a pretty good feat going from 1100 bucks to like 15 K in a two month span. So uh, I th- in my, yeah, I think like, <laughs> like on our, one of our favorite subreddits, uh, wall street bets. I think we, can yeah. say, this is not financial advice, obviously. This is, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not financial advice, but I think crypto, at least from like an engagement standpoint, you know, I feel like the generation prior, because when when you when you said like oh it it got me invested to the point where I'm curious about what blockchain is let me go and research that on my own time I feel like this iteration of like an engaging way to have your money make its own money um, is kind of how the stock market used to be treated and now that is so expansive and kind of seems like flooded with people to the point where crypto might be like a new branch of that with without yeah. the crowd with so much yeah. more to learn it's more technologically savvy it's more accessible mm-hmm. um 
yeah, more, more power to you, man. Like I, I still have a lot of holdings in stocks, but like I am more and more intrigued by crypto every day. Uh, yeah. and would definitely tune into what you have to say about it if you do a podcast about it. So, um, I don't know if you have any like social media plugs related to any of these creative ventures yet, but if you want to drop your own socials for your personal or any kind of businesses or anything creative you're doing, feel free to do so right here so we can link you up to the public, man. So I'll put it to you like this. Uh, I mean, you know, if anything will, that'll come, it'll come via Facebook first because my Facebook is where I get a lot of the most attention and a lot of interaction. So any announcements regarding these, they'll be they'll be coming on that on that page so you just stay tuned to my facebook page within the next like month or so to ray binso yes sir stay tuned to ray binso uh, you're it'll not be, be a couple things you're not gonna drop on uh well this podcast airs friday the third which is uh mr aubrey graham's release date are you gonna are you gonna take over drake's release date oh i don't think drake wants that smoke <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Drake wants that smoke. Okay. I ain't gonna take his glory from him. Yeah, that that's very nice of you. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's Ray Ray Benso on Facebook. If you don't know now, you know. Um, Corey, man, appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, we've been going for over an hour. Didn't mean to take up so much of your time. Oh, uh, dude, I'm just chilling. Always love catching up with you, man. You're more than welcome anytime you come down to Miami, um, as you have before. Yeah, um, which I appreciate the visit. Um, before <laughs> we get, get out of down. here, Frank would be really upset with me if I didn't mention <laughs> Patreon page, which I go on there all the time. And I'm have you have you checked out like what our podcast has to offer via? Yeah, I've been checking, like, yeah, I'm, I'm checking out a couple things. Yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah. They're like video series, like a whole like merchandise section. Like I am stunned every time I go on there and see like how much extra stuff we have. Like it's completely yeah. separate from what we deliver Monday, Friday on the podcast. So if you're interested, that's uh patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast, I believe, or maybe just mistaken identity. Um, cool. Yeah. Give it a look. It's like a dollar, $3 a month, if anything. Um, so hey. that's that's to everyone at large i'm not just trying to sell Corey here i'm just trying to sell my guy um but yeah so, <laughs> just just pay, uh you don't you, you could pay me in dogecoin um gotcha i'll send right, you 350 doge yes i will take that investment um all right man uh definitely appreciate you spending the time thank you all for listening uh and i'll catch you all next time on the mistaken identity podcast peace peace out guys Hey everybody, Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. 
Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast, or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.